0: Welcome to Happily Ever After, the podcast where we talk about life's big stories, from breakups and breakdowns to icky secrets and happy endings. It's the stuff that makes us human. I'm your host Hannah Harvey. I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com. I'd be really grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review because it basically means more people can find the podcast. And I also absolutely love hearing from you, so please do contact me through Instagram at mumsdays, M-U-M-S-D-A-Y-S, with any of your stories um, and any thoughts you might have on the episode or any questions. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After. It's me, Hannah. And today I'm joined by one of my lovely new friends, Lou. Hello. Hi, Lou. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm very um, excited to talk to you. Are you? Yes. (laughs) What are we going to talk about, Hannah? Well, this is the last episode that I'm going to do for a little while. In Um,
1: 2023.
0: But in general, I'm (gasps) taking my first ever break. Like, right now we're recording it and we've done something like, 70 episodes. So I'm guessing this will be, like, 74 or 75. And I've never taken a break. And I'm like, it's I'm, time. Ready, I'm ready for a break. Mm. But I thought it would be lush to have you on because the two of us are going to work together in the new year and do Yay. a workshop. Um, but can you tell me a little bit about, like, your background before we talk about what we're going to do in the new year,
1: yes, yeah, I can. I, how far back would you like me to go? <gasps> in <laughs> I'm the like, beginning,
0: don't spare <laughs> any details.
1: <laughs> well, I so I did my degree in psychology, which was not my first choice. I did not know this. Yeah, at the University of York, I did my my degree in psychology, and I wanted to be an artist um, or a designer, and that didn't it didn't play out that way. So. Um, I went to do my psychology degree and I I chose it as my second option because psychology's strapline is the science of behaviour and I've always been interested in what motivates people, kind of what makes them tick. So yeah, I went and did my degree in psychology and then...
0: My mind is literally blown. (laughs) I feel like every conversation we've ever had now, I'm like, I may as well not because I like to pretend I'm a psychologist, but obviously I'm not. (laughs)
1: we're all psychologists really and that is like a common saying about design as well we're all designers we're all scientists I think like lots of us use these kinds of skills and um, approaches all the time whether we call it that or not Mm. because that's how our brains work just trying to figure stuff out
0: yeah and I guess some people are more prone to naturally read books that might lead you to understand how the brain works and Exactly.
1: And I think now like pop psychology, popular psychology is just so, you know, there's huge areas of bookstores devoted to it. So a lot of us are reading it a lot of the time. We're exposed to it a lot of the time as well through things that we watch, Instagram. It is literally everywhere now. So, yeah, that's where I started. But then I had a somewhat like circuitous route to what I'm doing now um, because I got really sick for a while. Um, And it took me a long time to recover from that. And it made me realise that the path that I was on actually was not the path that I wanted to take um, because I was going to go and be an academic in psychology Mm. and study the science of reading, the psychology of reading. um, But ultimately, that was not my calling (laughs) and I was not a good fit for it. So um, I had some time away and then I tried out lots of different things. um, And I was really lucky that I found my first kind of proper job living in Cambridge, um, where I worked on a self-advocacy project for people with learning disabilities. And it was just such an amazing place to be. It was very creative, um, it was very progressive, it was doing things um, that lots of other places weren't doing at that time. And it was all aimed at people who were institutionalized in some way. So maybe they hadn't been staying in a residential institution, but they'd been in maybe the special school system for a long time. A lot of the activities they'd done had been kind of specifically designed for people with learning disabilities, and so their friend group, their social group, their activities were quite limited and quite small. And there wasn't a lot of choice necessarily in a lot of the settings they were in. That's quite different now, but back then, um, in the early 2000s, that wasn't necessarily the case. And the project that I worked on was there specifically to help people design a life in the community when they'd maybe never lived in the community before. So they didn't mm. really know what they liked, what they didn't like. Um, you know, if you say to someone, how do you want to spend your week? They would just be a blank look and a blank page. And so I learned all these tools about
0: say, like, how do you fill that page? And even you- now, I think that's massive. Yeah. You know? You don't. I guess we probably take it for granted that we have a certain autonomy over what we're going to do with our week. But things like motherhood mm-hmm. throw a massive spanner in the work of what you thought you were going to do. Yes. Especially with you first, I remember being like, "My life is going to be exactly the same when this baby comes along, and it'll just slot in to what we're doing." And it, that doesn't happen.
1: No, because it's a relationship, right? So yeah. it's not just about you; it's about them too. Yeah so that was like my first big transition that I went through in life and it just turned out that where I landed on my feet with this job that I had, learning all these tools about how you work out what you like and what you don't and then once you've tried lots of things and got a picture of what you want, how do you actually make that happen, were really helpful for myself too (laughs) in figuring out okay I actually really love this job now so I thought I was on a track before that was exactly what I wanted to do, it turned out it wasn't the case. Um, now I'm doing something I love, what does that mean it, for the future? I had these tools um, that could help me
0: with that, although and I didn't need to use them just yet. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, I was <laughs> going to say, so in the scale of like, this timeline, when was it that you got ill before you did the advocacy stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay, before. so you, you were ill, you got better. Yeah,
1: it took know, like a year commerce, to get better. Yeah.
0: Um, and then went on to this new project? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, I did a bit of work. I did some temping. I did. Um, I thought I wanted to be a speech and language therapist for a while, and I went to work as a speech and language therapy assistant, but I realised that I didn't fit in the um, NHS. That wasn't a great place for me either. Um, so yeah, I kind of just stumbled upon this job advert. For this role and it was assistant project leader so i had a certain amount of responsibility but no direct line management which turns out was a perfect fit for me mm. and i was kind of responsible for upping everyone's game basically like working out what motivates them working out how things worked well and when they didn't work well and we were growing the project into new areas so helping new team members to learn how, what the approach was how it worked so that they could apply it in a new location
0: mm. And so, fast forward to now. Yes, you've got a little boy. Yes, and you live in the northeast. Yes, and you are coaching. Yes. So, how did that end up happening? How
1: did I get here? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, after two, about two years at the um, this role, working with people with learning disabilities, and realizing that what I really love doing is enabling choices, and and helping people see, like often what I've come to realise is people think there is only one option or two options in front of them and what I'm really good at is helping them to see that actually there's a lot more options than that, not in an overwhelming way but in quite a freeing way. Um, but after two years being there I the economic crash happened, there was a bit of a delayed impact on the charity sector because a lot of charities work on grant funds so there were grants running for like two years but then when they ended it was like falling off a cliff so the team almost all of my team and by now my dear friends were put at risk of redundancy and the atmosphere where we were working changed overnight and it was um really difficult it was no longer as fun as it had been Mm -hmm. everyone was suddenly kind of worried there's this great sense of uncertainty um and the little group of us started to meet. We just said, like, why don't we meet up for food um, and to have a chat once, uh, once a month? And so we started to do that. And we talked about, like, what our hopes were for the future. We, you know, had a fair amount of time talking about how crap everything was yeah, <laughs> in the current moment yeah. um, and how frustrated we were with everything. But we also could talk about, actually, what do we want from the future? And we started to call those... Uh, Meetups, change the world gang meetings, and we each brought food, shared the food that we brought, and then had a conversation around what we wanted to do from there. Um, and that led me on quite a journey. That is like sort of like how long have you got right now? <laughs> but ultimately, we set up our own nonprofit called the You Can Hub, um, and its mission was to help people turn the impossible into possible for themselves. Wow. And we did genuinely want to want to change the world, but we realised that um, the way to change change the world is to start with yourself. Change yourself first, understand yourself better first, and the rest will follow.
0: Mm. And it's kind
1: of contagious, actually, when you start doing it. People around you want to have a little bit of
0: that magic too. Definitely, I think so. The story of you and I meeting was. Um, I was getting in the sea a lot at the time. It was about a month after I'd split up with a guy who really broke my heart, so I started getting in the sea. Mm -hmm. Then I had this one day where I just had a bit of a breakdown, so I was sitting by the sea, I was meditating, um, had this weird epiphany which scared me and then I went for a really long walk and I bumped into somebody who ended up introducing you to me And then I also bumped into Ali, who's also in our, like, new friendship group. Mm. Over a bin fire of all things. (laughs) Like, if that's not a sign that my life is about to change, I don't know what is. But it's like the two of you came into my life. And then the third part of our group was um, Sea and Katie, as opposed to Podcast Katie. Um, Yeah. And we've just started this lovely little group. Um, But, yeah, you... I think we're probably always destined to meet because you also know Jambo, who yeah. is my yoga teacher, and you still work with him Yes, on a monthly basis.
1: Yeah, when I was living in Cambridge, um, I discovered forest yoga, which is forest with two R's, so it's not like yoga in the woods, although I think that is like on my bucket list, is to do forest yoga in the woods. That would be, be so amazing. nice. Um, but yeah, forest named for Anna Forest, and... The first class that I went to, I had an assist from my teacher, who's called Ear, um, in a bow pose. And it just felt so magical and expansive. And it was this beautiful combination of strength and flexibility that I just knew that I'd found my my yoga. Yeah. And I've been doing yoga for, like, a really long time. So it took me about 10 years (laughs) to find my yoga. But... Yeah, it is just the exact right type of yoga for me. I love how each class starts with an intention. I love how you start with core strength before you do anything else, which um, reminds me of priming, which we'll talk about a bit when we talk more about vision boards and visualisation. Um, but yeah, is teacher was Jambo, and Jambo is your teacher.
0: hmm
1: and i done i've brought a really old vision board with me which we'll we'll look at in a bit um and it has pictures on it of the sea and the beach from when we were living in cambridge and this vision board i did probably about um it was before we moved into the house before this one so it must be like 6 7 years old so there was always this dream of moving by the sea um and yeah what's quite magical is that as we moved here last year from cambridge you were starting up forest classes here where they hadn't been before
0: mm-hmm. and
1: i went to my first yoga retreat since my son was born um in june and that's where i met the person that said oh you're into forest you should meet hannah
0: yeah and that's, and how that's who i bumped I into you. that day yeah yeah i was like "Ooh." so yeah you came along to class and then um we went for coffee, and it was that very first coffee where I'm like, oh, my God, I need loads more Lou in my life. <laughs> and like, I was like,
1: I need more Hannah in my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, it definitely is infectious. Um, just I, I find a lot of the way you work really inspiring as well, like a lot of space for making sure that you're healthy enough to show up for your clients. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we all I know a lot to do about that. burnout.
1: That's one of the other things I know a lot about because I've had so much experience of it and the health condition that I have is fluid. So sometimes I'm well, sometimes I'm not. I'm not. It's chronic, which means it's long term. I'll probably live with it for my whole life. Um, and so I've had a lot of phases of essentially burnout and then recovery. Um, so, yeah. It might not be the lesson that I've wanted to learn in life, but it's the one that I've got. And yeah, I like helping people with that through my coaching. There's almost always a strand of figuring out how do you want to live your life and do the work that you want to do, not just what do you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you want to use your energy? How do you want it to feel? Um, that's just as important as like any bucket list of what you want to achieve.
0: Yeah. I find, um, I don't know, it's like you go through periods of being like, right, I should, 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 and you're on this like real um, treadmill. So particularly, like I absolutely love the podcast, like coming in and doing this is not really a hardship at all, but it does take a lot of preparation and a lot of brain power. Sure. Um And when you're really fixated on something, especially someone like me, I can be quite single-minded and uh, addictive with things, like getting in the sea every day, um, that I can end up going down one route and then forget that I need to breathe.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think what you're talking about is, like, routines and habits. Like, it's really nice to get into a rhythm and our bodies like that. And as a mum to a toddler right now, I also know, like... HODLers like that. It's something that we like from being quite small. But there's this kind of balance between a habit that's serving you and a habit that's not. Mm-hmm. And it takes time to set up a new habit and often approaches like the one you used with the sea dipping where you commit to do it for a certain amount of time and you um, maybe attach it to a habit you've already got. Um, work really well at changing a behaviour and committing and to doing something new and sticking to it. Um, which is a little bit of a different approach to say a New Year's resolution. It's not just saying I wanna do this thing next year, it's saying I'm going to do this thing every day because I think it's gonna make me happy. And maybe it does make you happy when you keep going, maybe it doesn't and you need to just say actually, in trying this thing I've learned that it's not for me. Mm -hmm. But even if it makes you happy in the beginning, eventually it can feel like a bit of a trap,
0: right? Yeah. Definitely. I think towards the end I was like, it's getting colder. I'm planning everything around making sure I get in the sea. Um, and I just felt like I'd learned the lessons that I needed and mm. I'd met the right people. And it definitely been a real gift. But when I dropped it, I then dropped walking. And I don't know, got yeah. obsessed with thinking, right, I need to get this book written. So I'm going to focus all my energy on that. Yeah. But even in books, like, have you ever read The One Thing?
1: Um, No, I haven't.
0: Oh, it's great. But uh, it's along the lines of focus on one thing at a time instead of trying to do everything at once. But even when you do that, he's like, don't do it for more than four hours a day, though. Yes. Whereas I'm like, right, I'm going into this book. I'll see you on Tuesday.
1: Yes, my mum has a saying which she uses, like, more about food. But I think it's probably just general baby boomer wisdom, which is everything in moderation. Oh, I, I fucking hate that though. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm <laughs> trying,
0: a, but I don't know how to moderate.
1: But it's all, it also feels a bit medicinal somehow, right? Like it's kind of almost post-war um, ideology, philosophy. Um, so those things always tend to feel like a bit medicinal and not so fun. So yeah, some of this I think is about how you gamify things, so yeah. it it fools your brain into feeling like you're having fun. Moderation is, is
0: hard, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I just seem to struggle to get into anything if I don't have space, even rest. I'm like, I can't rest because I haven't got the whole day to do it.
1: Yeah, like I feel you on that, yeah. I've sort of been in that boat before. One of the things that I've been learning this year with Jambo, actually, is micro-resting. So if you've got a minute... Can you close your eyes and do some deep breathing for a minute? Can you set a timer for four minutes and, you know, do some alternate nostril breathing if you're a yogi or just some box breathing um, mm-hmm. where you breathe in for four, pause for four, breathe out for four, pause for four. Just do a few rounds of that. That's. I'll just stare out of the window for a few minutes.
0: Yeah, Might like I'd stop doing that. I used to be a big advocate of just staring out the window. Um... Yeah, it's weird. So I had this like moment of burnout over the weekend where I was like, I have to stop. Because it just felt too overwhelming. Yes. Um, but just the act of doing that and having a lovely chat with podcast Katie um, made me feel better. So then the next day I'm suddenly like, oh, I feel creative again now. Yes.
1: Do you think that um, a lot of people I'm talking at the moment are feeling very overwhelmed? Does, is that connect with how you were feeling at the weekend do you think
0: yeah I think it's um so ever since we I had that mess up with the passports and we couldn't go on holiday
1: yeah
0: I think I've slipped into being like you're not a very good mother because of that mistake and I don't think I'd that was a subconscious feeling of you're just not good enough Mm. and uh, you know, I threw quite a lot at the holiday in order to make sure that they had a good time, but I just felt like it was, re- it was an effort from start to finish. It was not a rest.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a rest, and you didn't enjoy it.
0: I didn't enjoy it. Like, there were bits that were lovely, yeah. but it felt like a bit of a battle. Um,
1: and you were supposed to go somewhere And We were else.
0: supposed to go somewhere else, so I'm trying to make it up to them that we're not going to this other place. But in doing so, created new problems. So there's a lot there about your expectations, their Mm -hmm. expectations,
1: your expectations of what their expectations are, whether or not they're true or not. Yeah. And these are
0: kind of like the games our brain likes to play. And to get over that, I was doing things like eating just rubbish Mm -hmm. to make myself feel better over the holiday. And then in my head I was going, but it's okay, because when I get home, uh, the kids will go to the dad's and... I will then spend the next four days writing my book and eating well and then I'll feel better again.
1: And did you <laughs> do that?
0: I did do it it was a lot yeah um but I think it started that spiral of being like there's just too much it's yeah. too much on. Yeah. Um.
1: I think we think of change as like flicking a switch and I think that's really relevant for you and anyone who co-parents because you're spending part of your day-to-day life in one world when the kids are around and then the other half in a different world when the kids aren't around yeah and every time that happens you're all going through a transition because things are different than they were the day before with whatever they were doing yeah they're in a different place there are maybe slightly different rules yeah um It takes time for those transitions to happen. Mm -hmm. And we're not that great as as humans at allowing for that change to happen and anticipating it and creating space for it. Our expectation is, well, we're here now. we flicked the switch. You know, we don't need to do anything or think anything about what's just happened. But in the background, our brains will be going, hang on, everything's different than it was yesterday.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but that is 100% it I always say to people the hardest of, bit of co-parenting is that transition because the kids do it too like they'll arrive and almost certainly there will be big emotions and big tears Yeah, and it's almost like preparing for trauma every time they arrive mm. so it's the trauma of them coming in and suddenly like taking over everything Yeah, but you're also like I'm so pleased to see you yeah and then you get it the other side when they leave and you're like it's like you're constantly having your it's that energetic connect you crave it's being that space, stretched
1: but you miss them yeah, yeah
0: and you feel guilty for wanting it and but i've got to make every second count yeah that they're away because when they come back i meant to be fully focused on them yeah But then I was also told some home truths around the fact that when I'm with them, I'm using my phone too much Mm. because I'm also trying to work. And it's like, right, everything can fuck off. (laughs) I need to focus on what's important, which is making sure my kids are okay and making sure I'm okay, and then regroup. Yes. So, which leads me nicely to... Merry Christmas, by the way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas! (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like... It's so
1: close now, isn't it? And I think that, I mean, this is a great time of year to be talking about eating rubbish, isn't it? Because everyone's doing it. There's so many invites out to party. It's been cold. Like, there's that herkle durkle want to hibernate, which also usually includes, like, wanting to eat all of the comfort food all at once. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of it. And I think when we've got those uh, big spikes in blood sugar, blood fats, our body has to respond to those. And I feel that in my body that my emotions take a hit as well. Oh, 100%. Going um, we see people maybe that we, have, we don't see normally. We get together with family in a way that we probably don't normally the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. There's all this new stuff happening. Um, and new things yes, everywhere. Yes. So it's a great time to think about grounding. And that's maybe something to think about, You know, when the kids come back to your house, what do you do? What's the first thing you do? Can you do something? Can you talk to them about what that might be? So it's sort of the same or similar each time. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of going, okay, we, you were there. I was here and on my own. Now we're all here. Let's just ground in this moment together. And you don't have to use that language with them necessarily. It's just maybe picking an activity Yeah, I think an activity that helps them go, oh yeah, like we're here now. And Mm -hmm. there's space for us to have emotional reactions if we
0: need to. Yeah. Like almost always, once there's been a big release, everyone then feels better. Yeah. Like they need that moment to cry. Yeah. Uh, And when it comes, I'm like, oh good, they're crying now. go and have a little cry and then you'll feel better for it it's like
1: a weather front that you have to move through
0: yeah, yeah. and like you say giving space for that and just knowing it's going to happen but we're okay We're all gonna breathe um
1: and it's also what you're not doing so like
0: yeah don't if immediately an activity, run off to do something with my parents for example absolutely don't book things
1: in for that time when they've just arrived. Yeah. It's just about being in the house or near the house.
0: And reassuring them that it's perfectly fine to go and have a cry. Yeah. Like it's, it's good. Things like all sorts of different hormones are released, aren't they?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm. So my general approach to Christmas is I'm just going to try and enjoy this. And enjoy being with my kids. Try and <laughs> make it sound like it's <laughs> this awful thing. I'm going to try my best.
1: <laughs> my Christmas resolution is to have fun with my kids. <laughs> I will
0: try and have fun and do some puzzles. Um, but going into the new year, they, you, I can put a lot of pressure on myself to be like, right, I'm going to eat shit this week because next week it's new year. And I'm going to take the world by storm. And I've got this that and the other thing to do how can i reframe it (laughs) please make it better for (laughs) me well i think the
1: first thing is you don't have to change it i think that's the first thing it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong um i think that one of the downsides of the kind of pop psychology and well-being um, movement that's part of our culture now is that we're often in a fix-it mindset you know there's a way to do things that is doing things right and I just need to fix everything and then it would all be fine but one option is things just continue as they are as they have in Christmases before and that's okay at least you know what you're in for and what you're expecting right yeah so that's kind of your first point is nothing actually has to change Um, and then I think the second thing is what actually do I want to be different how will I behave in this vision I have in my head, um, that means that I will probably enjoy it more? Does that mean I'm putting my phone down? Does that mean you'll enjoy it more? What are the things that mean that actually in the moment you enjoy
0: it more, do you Mm. think? I think probably putting a focus on making sure I get out is Uh really important for me. Yeah, Because it can be really easy to be like, oh, let's all just stay in and in you the go house. on your separate devices and I'll sit here and eat bagels yep. in survival mode. Yeah. So being like, actually, my need is we'll walk to the park yep. every day mm-hmm. and I'll feel better for that and making a commitment to do that kind of thing rather than just surviving it.
1: And you can have that conversation with your kids as well. They're yeah. old enough now that you can say. What do you need each day? Yeah. Um, and have a dialogue and make an agreement together between mm-hmm. the three of you of like, okay, uh, we're going to go outside every day and maybe add some other things in that mix too that they come up with.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then going into New Year, you and I have got um, a workshop planned, yes. which I'm super excited for. Uh, so that is the 6th of January in Whitley Bay, so any local people please do join us. But the plan is we'll do restorative yoga to kind of set intentions and then you're going to lead us in vision boarding. We're going
1: to make some vision boards, yeah, exactly.
0: Which I'm really excited about.
1: Yeah, so I mentioned before that the reason I fell in love with forest yoga, or one of the reasons, is because you always set an intent at the start of the class. And I think that aligns really closely with the way that I work as a coach in helping people. And the way that I found helps me in my life is setting an intent first. What am I actually wanting to get out of whatever change I'm making? Or sometimes change happens to us, right? Like the pandemic is a really recent example of that. Change happened to us. How do we want things to feel as that change is happening? So with Christmas coming, you might choose your intent. How do I want to feel each day, and that's your main focus. And a lot of what we're ta- we've been talking about um, is this relationship between what we think, what we feel, and what we behave, and that and how we behave. And that's almost like a cycle. So we can change any one of the things in that cycle. Changing how you feel is pretty hard. I don't know. You have mm-hmm. tried to do that before many times. I will not feel angry.
0: And <laughs> do my best not to feel like that's an absolute. Tw-
1: what? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. doesn't really work so well. I don't tend to work on that one so much in its own right, but you can influence it through the other ones. Yeah. You can change how you, feel, how you think and how you behave.
0: And changing those things ultimately changes how you feel.
1: Exactly, yes. That is the magic of your brain, is if you change your behaviour, you'll probably change how you think and you'll change how you feel. Yeah. So if you decide, I'm going to go outside every day for the kind of, you know, 10 days of the holiday season that will probably change how you think and change how you feel. Yeah. Um, You can also change how you feel and how you behave by changing how you think, and that's where vision boards come in. And I've brought a couple here, I know, for people listening in. They might not be able to see them.
0: This will go on a reel on Instagram,
1: though. For the benefit of Instagram, here's one of my old vision boards from, I think, six or seven years ago, and it's basically a massive piece of paper, and I've um, torn up loads of images from different magazines um and just stuck them down and i remember doing this um i was babysitting for a friend's kid and she stuck a leaf on which is now very brown and and that was really nice actually because she could see obviously that we were out in the garden when we did it we were out in nature and that was also a lot of what was reflected on my board and she stuck some images down too that she took home and the reason the moon is in the middle was because i wanted to live more seasonally in kind of alignment with the seasons. And there's lots of other things on there like colourful, healthy food. Um, There's time with friends and family. There's something on here, maybe it's this one where there's someone playing a guitar. Because my husband plays guitar, we play music quite a lot with his family. Mm. Um, There's bare feet on the beach and the sea. Um, So this was back when I was living in Cambridge, which is about as far from the sea as you can get, long before um, we moved here. So that's one example of a vision board and I've brought a digital one too that I printed out because you can also make it um, on an app say like Canva you can capture digital images Mm. and cut and paste them all together and then have it printed out and the idea of vision boarding is that you can trick your brain because it doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imaginary. Mm. so this is focusing on that part of the cycle how I feel, how I behave, how I think it's focusing on the how I think part and you use the vision board once you've created it as a kind of primer so you can look at it every day it influences how you think and that then changes how you behave so that you're more likely to make decisions and do things that um, turn the vision board into
0: reality Mm, I love that So it's like, I know it's a tool for manifesting and things like that, but manifesting is just making something come true.
1: Yeah. And I think manifesting is like quite an overused word now and it Mm -hmm. sounds really spiritual and it can be if that's what you want it to be, but it's also grounded in science. Like there's lots of people who use visualization, which vision boarding is an example, to help them to make it more likely that they'll achieve their goals and do the things that they want to do. So elite, elite athletes use them, yeah. people who've won gold medals. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think, has used it quite uh-huh. a lot, whether he quite visualised being the Terminator or not, I'm not sure. Um, but he used it in wanting to be an actor and also wanting to become a politician. And Oprah is, like, a really big um, famous example of someone who talks about it quite, quite a lot. Yeah. But there are studies that show that, yeah, if you spend time visualising a more um, uh, a future that's in line with what you want. You'll feel calmer and it's more likely
0: to happen. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait for this evening. It's going to be incredible. So that's the 6th of January. If anybody wants to come and join us, send me a message.
1: Yeah, and um, it's basically like crafting. We're just going
0: to do for some pictures
1: we like, cut very them out, stick them together, have some nice books
0: something to drink yeah I do some very gentle laying down style yoga (laughs) beforehand where we'll do loads of breathing to try and tap into intuition and what we really what what really matters not what we think matters so kind of overriding that bit of the brain which is like you should be doing this but actually tap into what do we feel what would make us feel good
1: yeah and it's going to be such a useful slowing down moment Mm -hmm. so when I first had my experience of burnout and illness and coming back to recovery I thought recovery was all about achieving a set state like okay this is the right amount of activity and the right type of activity for me to do all the time and it became very quickly clear that um that is not really how it works <laughs> because every day we have different amounts of energy levels we feel different there's lots of different stuff happening around us mm-hmm. and i think that christmas holiday season like even if you don't celebrate christmas for lots of people it's just a really busy time of year yeah
0: um
1: the energy a collective
0: us, energy is nuts
1: ooh, yes of just rush and busyness and trying to get everything done and trying to do it all right so that everyone's happy
0: yeah
1: um that then having that space in january to slow down breathe kind of give our nervous system some love with some beautiful forest inspired restorative yoga um and then yeah listen listen to what we think we want from 2024 and craft a beautiful image to take home that supports that
0: yay well I can't wait thank you so much Lou for coming in you're welcome I feel calmer already oh I'm so glad that has genuinely been really helpful like I feel like I've really got a good plan for what I'm going to do for the holidays um, so yeah thank you alright then thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time for another episode of Happily Ever After with me Hannah Harvey it would be wonderful if you could leave a review and subscribe and of course if you have a friend who might enjoy this episode please do pass it on For anything else, you can get in touch with me either through Instagram at Mumsdays or my website mumsdays.com.